thousands of people have mysteriously vanished in America's wilderness. Join us as we dive into the deep end of the unexplainable and try to piece together what happened. You are listening to Locations Unknown. Uh, hello again and welcome to the Locations Unknown podcast, episode 5 on Arvin Nelson. I'm your host, Mike. And I am Joe. Today we're going over an interesting case from the Big Sur State Park in California. Um, I'm going to give you a quick case summary and park profile, then Joe is going to jump into a profile of Arvin and the timeline of what happened. Yeah, there's a little bit more info on this guy than uh, our last episode. Yeah, so thankfully. It's, it, yeah, it's going to, it won't be longer, but there's a little bit more meat there. Yeah, a little more meat on the bones. He went missing in a Pfeiffer Big Sur State Park in California, which is part of the Ventana Wilderness. He went missing on August 6th, 2014. And to give you a little brief profile of what happened, he was a well-known and likable man from Big Sur, California, and he was planning a week-long hike through Pfeiffer Big Sur State Park. He had experience and the proper supplies, according to reports. He had knowledge of the area, but after a few days on the trail, he just vanished. Never heard never from heard again. Never heard from or seen again. Never seen again. His location is unknown. <laughs> <laughs> Which fits good for our podcast. Yeah. Um, so there's a, a high level profile of, of Arvin and I'm going to jump into the location profile. Like I said, this is uh, Pfeiffer Big Sur State Park, California. It's near the city of Big Sur. It's within the Ventana wilderness. And I think Joe, you said it's, it's South of San Francisco on the coast. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of temperate climate all year round. So yep. it's not too high, too low. Like a lot of places in California, just kind of perfect. Yeah. <laughs> as far as weather goes. So give you a little history about the park. Pfeiffer Big Sur State Park was named after a guy by the name of John Pfeiffer. Uh, he lived in a cabin. I wonder where they got the name from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He uh, lived in a cabin on the property beginning in 1884. Uh, he was the son of a gentleman named Michael Pfeiffer and Barbara Lag- Laguette. I don't like it. Lack it. Like it. <laughs> the Pfeiffer family immigrated from France and were among the first European settlers in the area. Many features in Big Sur are named for the descendants of the Pfeiffers. That's funny. Like, think about it nowadays. That guy just lived in a house there. Right. And now... He just lived somewhere and they... Yeah, like they, a park's named after him. Yeah. All this stuff's named after him. Just like some just guy who just lived in a cabin. First mover advantage. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> location, location, location. Yeah. <laughs> So let's fast forward a, a couple decades now to 1930. Uh, John Pfeiffer had the opportunity to sell land to a Los Angeles developer for $210,000. So a lot of money. That, yeah, the 30s? Holy cow. Yeah, that's a lot of cash. Uh, and the developer wanted to build a subdivision on the land. I'm, I'm guessing, and I already know the answer, but this stink over too well with, yeah. <laughs> with people in the state at yep. the time. It said, you know, Pfeiffer instead sold 700 acres to the state of California in 1933. So he's an early times conservationist, basically. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Even back then, turned when, down big money to give the land of the state for have it not be developed. Yeah, even back then, when you know there was a lot more wide open parts of the country, people still didn't like to see natural areas get bulldozed, and yeah. So that's interesting to note. In 1934, the Monterey Bay Area Council built a makeshift camp wing within the park, but it was abandoned after the 1937 summer camping season. The next year, the Boy Scouts built a camp, I don't even know how to say that, Esseline, 
in another location within the park. The site was improved until 1945 when limitations of the site, closeness to the public camping facilities, and jurisdictional conflicts between the scouts and the state forced <laughs> the council to request reimbursement from the state. The best it. part is back then it was probably like an armed dispute. I yeah, <laughs> like Boy Scouts at that time, like it probably could have got violent. <laughs> like nowadays it would have been like, but we need to race our derby cars there. Yeah. Like back then it was like, we've got bow and arrows and knives. I just, that's funny the way it's <laughs> jurisdictional conflicts. Between <laughs> the scouts and the state forced the council to request reimbursement. That's awesome. It cost eight thousand dollars in yeah. They requested eight thousand dollars in reimbursement uh, reimbursement from the state. Um, so it says the uh, <laughs> something went down. Yeah, well, who knows? Maybe we don't want to know. <laughs> the scouts in the state. Uh, it says the council continued to use the camp until 1953. Then the scouts uh, began building Camp Pico Blanco. <laughs> I don't know why you said it like that. <laughs> That's from, um, uh, what's his name? The the actor that's, um, I forget his name, but he says that in some movie. Pico Blanco? Pico Blanco. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm hearing that in my head. So, um, basically, that camp opened in 1954, and Camp Esseline was uh, finally closed. You know what I realized, too? He was offered $210,000 during the Great Depression. Yeah. And turn it down. That's a lot of money back then. Yeah, especially at that time. It's probably $600,000 now. Yeah, and like at the time when yeah. everyone was losing everything. So I'm guessing Mr. Pfeiffer probably wasn't a poor individual. Yeah, he, <laughs> he must not have been. No. Moving on to uh, the climate of the park. Joe said earlier in the show, it's a pretty mild climate. The temperatures... The high temperatures in the summer don't usually get above, on average, the mid-70s. They The lows are, you know, December, January, never below 40. That's so, nice. Yeah, it's a it's a really uh, pleasant park to hike in. It's You're not going to be in 100-degree heat. Um, yeah, and from the pictures, it looked like it was very um, dense as far as forest goes. So yeah. lots of cover. So, um, like we said, it, you know, the park doesn't, go down much lower than 40 at night so the best time to visit big sur is from september to november in a typical year they have about 300 days of sunshine big sur's peak season runs from april to october however once august passes crowds start to disperse and the high temperatures inland start to drop leaving more room for visitors to wander on the coast and the mountains so i'm trying to compare this to maybe somewhere i've hiked before that had a temperate Glacier definitely wasn't. So are they saying, like, you want to go to Big Sur when the beach isn't nice, basically? Yeah, I it's don't know. It's too cold for beach? It, yeah, maybe. Because you'd, you'd almost think, like, you'd want to be there when no one's there. Yeah. So it's not crowded if everyone's going there. Yeah, I don't know. Right. I guess I did hike Olympic National Park, and I would guess that this is probably similar in a climate. I, I'm guessing Olympic is probably colder because it's farther north. And rainier, I know that. Yeah. But um, if you've ever been to Olympic, it's this seems like a cooler San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what it, like just sunny all the time. Or a warmer San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird because it's like right in between both of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah. So um, going into some of the animals in the park, uh, f- interesting story. Grizzlies used to be all over the park back in the 1800s and early 1900s. 
but European settlers, and this sounds terrible, um, well, they used to get paid bounties to kill grizzlies, but they would hang these basically poison balls of meat from trees, and the grizzlies would come and eat that and obviously die. And they reports the last grizzly was seen in 1941, so there haven't been grizzlies there wow. in a long time. And uh, pretty, uh, I'm sure they wanted all the pelts. Yeah, but it's what uh, a weird way to get them. Yeah, I don't know. I you Poison know they, meatballs. They definitely wouldn't do that kind of thing uh, in this day and age. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, hang poison meatballs from trees, which is also weird because grizzlies don't climb trees, so they must have been low hanging. The the speci- the technical term they used was bait balls of swine entrails. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of summarized it's like the official. <laughs> They were issued by the local hardware store. Yeah. Big balls uh, of swine entrance. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, not I, funny that they're exterminating the bears, but just like, no, like everything back at that time, just weird. Yeah. Like, and they, but, um, currently was normal back then. Yeah. Currently, if you visit the park, um, you're going to see mountain lions, deer, fox, coyotes, and not native wild boars. So, at some point in the park's history, probably one of the ranchers or, People that lived there thought it was a good idea to bring wild boars to the area, and uh, now they can't get rid of them. We get rid of the native grizzlies and bring in wild boars. Yeah. So um, oh. that's the basic animals you're going to run into. So, you know, if, as far as parks go, there's not a lot of dangerous predators in this park. You know, mountain lions, like we've talked about in other parks, might go after tiny children if they're left alone. Yeah. You know, wild boars can actually be pretty. Wild boars pretty would mean. almost worry me more than a grizzly bear well Not, i don't know about that <laughs> i'm saying uh, i'm saying more so when you're in the area because yeah. from what i understand wild boars will just start attacking people whereas They'll grizzlies you. you have to give them a good reason or surprise them and yeah. whenever we're i mean we're in grizzly country you just make loud noises you yep. yell we didn't see anything no so but a boar like i feel like would investigate noise and then be like oh attack yeah like like <laughs> Why? Because I'm a boar. I'm an asshole. Yeah. Like. Um, okay, so moving on to a bit of the geology of the park. <laughs> moving on from the wild boar conversation. Yeah. It's a boar. Oh, that was awful. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> yeah, move on now. Okay. Now we're moving on for sure. All right, moving on to the geology and terrain of the park. So there's a chain of mountains called the Santa Lucia Mountains that rise suddenly from the Pacific Ocean, creating a steep coastline. The mountains contain some of the most complex geology in California. Uh, The range is made up of rock originating from seafloor volcanoes, ancient mountains, streams, beds, and other seafloor sediment. And all you got to do is Google some of the pictures on uh, Big Sur, and you can see these amazing pictures of the coastline. Yeah, it's like the really cool ones where... um it reminds me. Some it's of like them, cliffs, like like rock cliffs. It almost looks like uh, Ireland. Like, yeah, Ireland. Reminds me of say, Ireland. Yep, Ireland. Some of the pictures. So uh, yeah, really cool. You got these cliffs, a couple hundred feet above the ocean, straight drops down. Another interesting fact about uh, Big Sur is there's several fault lines that go through the park. So uh, there's there's the Palo Colorado San Giorgio fault system, the Sur Hill fault system. It's a very geologically active area uh, with fault lines. Are those part of the San Andreas, or is that somewhere else? I think that's somewhere else. Okay. Someone can correct this if we're wrong. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, as far as hiking this park, it seems like a pretty, you know, easy to moderate hikes. Nothing, nothing too crazy. I think the t- max elevation of the park is what five, six thousand feet. Yeah, it wasn't. It from everything I saw, like no one talked about elevation being an issue. More of like, hey, there's elevation gain. Yeah. So if you're like into flat ground walking, you might have problems. But if yep. you're a hiker, it shouldn't be an issue. Yeah, and you know that was kind of the same. The same way Olympic National Park was when we were there, it was nothing, you know, not a lot of elevation, but you actually get to enjoy it. Yeah, you get to enjoy it. <laughs> you hike. get to look around. You're not just exhausted climbing hills. Yeah. So uh, that is kind of a basic overview of the park itself. Uh, Joe is going to go into the character profile of Arvin. Yeah, we're going to talk about Arvin now. Arvin Walter Nelson it was an African American male. He was born on March 30th, 1963. So at the time of his disappearance, he was 51. So he'd be about 56 now. Body description, 6'3", 200 pounds. So he's a tall dude. Based on the 200 pounds, probably not super built, but I mean a big guy, big solid guy. Yep. Uh, Not overweight, not super skinny. So he had black hair, short black hair, brown eyes. Uh, who did we say he looked like? He looked like uh, Donald, Donald Glover. Glover. He looks kind of <laughs> like Donald Glover. Like, very kind face. Like an approachable guy. Uh, and he was last seen in brown hiking boots, carrying a blue ba- backpack and leather flip-flops. Basically, everything we've been hearing is extremely friendly and outgoing. Mm-hmm. He was a server at the Big Sur River Inn. He was one of those guys that, like everybody knows. Like It seems like Big Sur... For the people that live there, it's a tight-knit tourist community. Yeah. It seemed like everybody knew him or or everyone that knew of him just knew he was a great guy. So as far as personality goes, awesome dude to hang out with. They say he was a very experienced hiker in that area, loved hiking. Yeah, I mean, big guy, experienced hiker, worked in the area, very friendly, seemed like a neat dude to hang out with. Yeah. Uh, some of the people that are going to be involved in the case you're going to hear about, Commander John Thornburg of the Monterey County Sheriff's Office. He was a search and rescue coordinator. And then Keely Richter, who is actually an executive assistant at the Monterey County Weekly, which is a blog. And we got a lot of information off of there for this case. She was a friend of Nelson since he moved there for about 10 years. So, and then uh, the last thing they mentioned was the what he drives was a Westphalia, I think it is, Westphalia-style VW bus. <laughs> so, like, this guy's awesome. Yeah. Like, he's a cool, like, a big dude driving a VW bus, living yep. California lifestyle, hiker, just a fun guy. Getting into the timeline, Arvin was planning a week-long hike. He had food and water and supplies for the extended hike from the China Camp Trailhead, that's in Carmel Valley, through Sykes Hot Springs, to Big Sur Station. So this is a very popular hike in the area. Yeah. It's not super long, but he wanted to take his time. So he planned to arrive at Big Sur Station on August 14th. So he was going to go from the 6th to the 14th, you know, spend spend a lot of time doing it. Mm-hmm. Facts about the trail, it's 23 miles long with an elevation gain of about 5,500 feet. So again, it's hilly. You can do this in a day. Yeah. You could. It's You're going to be moving fast. You know, if you can average two miles an hour, with breaks and stuff, five, six, seven hours, you could do this thing in. Yeah. There's campgrounds along the way. He was going to veer off and do, you know, the hot springs. There's different places you can go. So he wanted to take his time and enjoy the countryside, essentially. So on August 6th, 2014, his friend dropped him off at the China camp near Tassajara Road. And it's really, from what I've read, it's really high and deep in the forest. Like, when you get up there, it's very densely packed. Mm-hmm. So he started his camp, his hike out of the China camp. 
very quickly, within a couple hours, he came across a cabin with two people in it. Now, these are the last two people that are going to see him alive. One of them is Jack English, who lived there for 13 years in that isolated cabin in the in the Vent, Ventana wilderness, and his son, Dennis. So um, I read up on this. I was wondering how he had a private property in the park. Yeah. Apparently, there's an auction for like a plot of land in the middle of the park, and Jack bought it. And then he was just like, <laughs> I'm going to go live in this isolated cabin yeah. for, forever. So he was there with his son, Dennis, Dennis Stan Russell. So Dennis and Jack had gone out to visit their cabin in Pine Valley on August 6th. So a couple hours later, Dennis was sitting inside playing a guitar with his father, and he heard a voice outside asking to approach the cabin. So it was Arvin who had heard the guitar playing, and he came up to introduce himself. Dennis welcomed him in, befriended Arvin, and they hung out and played music and hiked around the Pine Valley for a couple days. Mm -hmm. So again, a great testament to the type of person this guy is. Yeah, Uh, He walks up to a cabin where he hears music, says, hey, what's going on? And now he's hanging out with these dudes for two days, hiking around. So awesome guy, probably fun to hang out with. And that was the last time they saw him. So there's been conflicting reports of everyone says last seen on August 6th. Basically, these two guys are saying they hung out with him for two days and last saw him on the 8th. Mm-hmm. So Dennis and Jack, these are the people who were originally in the cabin, yeah. were picked up by a helicopter on the 8th. So they're leaving Pine Valley and Arvin saw them off. So you can imagine they're flying away, he's waving them away. Arvin told Dennis he was going to be staying through Saturday in total, Saturday the 9th, and then hike the 11 miles to Sykes on Sunday morning the 10th. So he's detailing out what he plans to do. He's going to hang around that area for a while, then hike the 11 miles to Sykes on Sunday morning on the 10th. That's the last anyone's seen him. So now fast forward to August 16th. This is two days after his planned arrival. A friend or relative of Nelson's, they haven't really documented who it was, so we don't know, but it was a friend or relative had called law enforcement on August 16th and said Nelson had left instructions to notify officials if he wasn't back by August 14th, Thornburg says. Now, there's a little bit of criticism around this because I would call him more of an avid hiker. He left his itinerary and his his return date. Yeah. That's somebody who's done it before because that's like rule number one of here's when you should expect me back by. Mm-hmm. So if he's saying I'm not back by this date, contact him. So he has a good idea of how long he should be out when he should be back by. Yeah. Waiting a couple days, again, someone that you know has supplies and is an avid backcountry person, I would consider that maybe I would have called a day later. Mm-hmm. personally, but not calling on that day, I probably wouldn't have called myself either. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I was in Colorado last time and we were up in the mountains, we had a guy who stayed at base camp and I gave him like a 40 hour window of us returning. Yeah. Just because I'm like, I don't know what we're going to run into. We are we are bushwhacking. So I'm like, it could take really long. Mm-hmm. But I said, you know, at any point coming down a mountain's easier. So if I feel like it's going to take too long, we're going to turn around and come back yeah. and I know I'll be able to get back. So that's a pretty big window. Like I said, maybe I would have waited till like the night of the second day. So if they called the next morning, I wouldn't say that was them kind of being neglectful, especially if he was an experienced guy. So this is where Commander John Thornburg enters the scene. He's Monterey County Sheriff's Office, says the search team was using one airplane, three helicopters, 30 ground searchers per day. And they were getting help from California Highway Patrol and the National Guard and the Coast Guard. Yeah. So they they went all out. And it was a testament, again, too, of how tight of a community it is. Mm-hmm. Now we're fast forwarding to August 22nd. It's the sixth day of the search and rescue. And the officials had originally planned a five to seven day search. 
They were going to really start calling it off, but Thornburg said that the search might not be called off yet because he took into account that an area he had not hiked before, he said, but the reason the search had been going long is he is an experienced hiker and he took the equipment with him to stay alive. Yeah. So the idea behind that would be if he got injured and got stuck somewhere, he could still be alive. So we need to utilize the manpower and the time to try and find him before it becomes an issue. So he had food, he had water, he had equipment for an extended stay. But he was hiking a large wilderness wilderness area with dense vegetation cover. Mm-hmm. So his last statement was, you know, we have hopes he's still alive. Keely Richter, had, who had known him for 10 years and was on the blog that posted, that really followed this case the closest. She had a lot of comments that I want to read here just to really play a testament to his character. She said, and I'm quoting, he's the most open and friendly and enthusiastic person in Big Sur, truly. I had never been pulled onto more dance floors in my life before I met him. He's a terrible dancer, but <laughs> God damn it, it's so fun to dance with him. He will always, invited or otherwise, play the harmonica with a band, whether they're a national touring band or one of our many, many friends. There are few people beyond my group of close friends, of which he is not exactly a member of, that can pull me out of a funk like he can. He's just so fucking joyful. I know next to nothing about his past, but I feel so close to him. I would wager that 9 out of 10 Big Sur residents would say the same. Big Sur really tends to rally around a tragedy. And Arvin's been there through fires and mudslides, storms and deaths, making sure that everyone is coping. Not in an intrusive or, what's the word? I'm looking for materialistic, proactive, type A personality way. But in a, hey, let me buy you a beer kind of way. He's vital, especially to me as someone who takes the weight of the tragedy on and attempts to come up with concrete ways to help. So that was super passionate of a yeah. statement to post. This guy, again, I'll, I'll, I'll say it a million times, sounds like an awesome dude, like a big community guy, yep. gets along with everybody. So it's not someone who's going to get in a fight, create enemies, <clears throat> have some issue yeah. um, that would cause someone that, hey, I know he's going to be there and he's always... A problem like let's go get them like mm. i would look at like a criminal nature of that a couple of things i came across that i think are important details about this trail there's a bunch of websites detailing you know there's meetups of people that hike the trail yep these popped up don't wear shorts on the trail because it's extremely overgrown and that's just from china camp to redwood camp which is not the whole way yeah in the Ventana wilderness they say they have a well-deserved reputation for poor signage. And even when they do exist, they're easy to miss because they're overgrown. So they're saying, you know, you really should have a good map yep. to avoid missing invisible <clears throat> junctions or other signage that would put you in the right direction. The biggest thing that I that I found in there was they said the distances are wrong all the way. <laughs> so, like, and this is from people, like, that are like, pretty peeved because they're like, the, the distances that are noted are completely off, apparently. Really? One of like the biggest rules of backcountry is it's never as close as you think it is. Yeah, like it's just not. But you it always, doesn't help if the sign it doesn't is help if the wrong. sign's lying to you too. Yeah, wow. So that that can always <clears> kind of <throat> reset you. And be like, oh, I thought it was closer. Or, wow, I thought it was farther away. But if the sign's wrong, also, there's water in the wrong places or not at all. The detour to Sykes Spring, to Sykes Springs is 15 minutes each way, but it could be not worth it. So there's a lot of things that seems like it's not managed well that could throw people off, especially if it's your first time doing it. Yeah. That's the issue too. If you're experienced and you're seeing signage, I would trust it. Yep. If I'm, if I'm seeing official park signs, you assume it's but right. You know what? I, I would always, I I always take a map of the park True. with me. Yep. I do too. And I actually, you know, I'll use like a pedometer on my hand 
or my phone and I'll kind of judge how far I've gone and then look at a map. I, I've seen signs before too, where it'll say it's, you know, two miles away and, and it's wrong. Like the, like you said, yeah, if you're on flat ground walking and you know, it's not Hills, you should be able to do two miles in 20 minutes. I mean, the maps, you know, posted in the parks are great to kind of try and get your bearings, but you should always keep track of where you are on a map. That's like a national geographic topographical. Yeah. Mark, you know, mark where you went into the park and then, you know, if you, you cross a river, like make note of that river on the map and make note of natural landmarks like lakes and mountain yep. ranges. And because we've seen this in other parks, the, the maps, the signs aren't always accurate. Sometimes they're missing. Sometimes people will try to, to screw with hikers. The, if there's like arrows, they'll flip them the wrong way. Yeah. And <laughs> so, I mean, it's you really got to bring a map with you. Yeah. That's, no, I agree with that. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, again, we don't have uh it's an ongoing case. So none of these really have closure as far as the timelines go. It's a heavily trafficked area and they haven't found anything on them yet. Yeah. So I think that's a big deal because you, they said you're not encountering a ton of people at the original camp between mm-hmm. where he was and where he was at the cabin. But when you get down to Sykes Springs, there's a lot of things on, you know, Travelocity and TripAdvisor talking about why those are really popular places to go see and you should go yeah. see them because they're not hard to get to. Mike, what are your thoughts, man? Like, like when, when you're going through this heavily trafficked site, experienced guy, big dude, you can't miss this guy. Yeah. What are you thinking? Well, I can tell you what I, I kind of rule out. Um, I'm ruling out exposure. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, this, it's a pretty temperate park. It, even at night it gets, you know, in December and January, it's, you know, only down into the forties. Yeah. And during the day, you know, it's. 60s 70s it's it's a pretty great place place to hike yeah as far as shorts and a t-shirt in 40s it could be an issue but and it you know it it doesn't it doesn't even rain there a lot i uh i didn't mention it back in the climate but the most rain it gets is january and december when they're getting nine inches a month so we're not talking monsoon rains so i i'm gonna rule out exposure i think that's fair And, and you know another thing i'm gonna i may rule out is any obstacles from hiking in Olympic National Park, it's it's a beautiful place to hike, but it's not you're not in a mountainous alpine terrain. So you're thinking like injury due to like I just, just trekking? Yeah, I like just can't imagine fault like minor falls, but like I mean, twist anything, an ankle. Yeah, anything's possible. I guess he could have you know you can climb up on the stuff and fall. Sure, but I I'm not imagining that he you know, fell off a cliff somewhere or, you know. Well, and you think about this too, because they talk about how dense it is and how yeah. it's hard. And anytime you have that, going off the trail is a pain. Mm-hmm. So let's say he twists his ankle. Yeah. He's going to be on the trail. Yeah. In his tent, you know, just chilling out. And the only thing you can really do then is, A, try to keep moving on your twisted ankle, which would stink. It would yeah. slow you down. But 20 miles over the course of a week, you could hobble your way out and probably make your day. Make your date if your new goal is not to do side trekking anymore. Yep. But even if you couldn't move, you've all the supplies in the world. Mm-hmm. You don't need food for a week. No, you can go two weeks without food. He's got water. Yeah, he could survive four or five days yep. in a tent waiting for someone to come by, and that's assuming nobody walks by him until search and rescue begins. Yeah, and you know I'm gonna. You can't, so I say I'm ruling this out, but I, I'm ruling it out with, in my head, a 95% certainty. Okay. Because, uh, you know, we're experts. 95.8243%. Um, but, it, I, you know, I'm kind of ruling out an animal incident as well. If there if there were grizzlies in the park, I would say... Maybe. A, someone hiking by themselves is always a target for 
Grizzlies. Sure. Not necessarily a target, but if a Grizzlies with its cubs or if a Grizzlies had human food before, you're going to be a target. Or with the dense stuff, you can turn a corner and there's a bear. Yeah. If you scare a Grizzly, it's going to attack you to be... But I can't, I can't imagine a mountain lion... Or he's too big. A wild boar attacking a six foot three guy who's two hundred pounds. A boar might try to. Yeah. But and he could get gored a little bit, but I mean he's six three, two hundred pounds. Now he's um, not a small guy at all. So the trail he was on, was that heading towards the coast? Yeah, it was like not directly towards it's adjacent. So if you're thinking of like the if you're looking at a map, the left side is the coast. It goes from a more easternly position in the south yeah. to a more westernly position in the north. Okay. That kind of goes in parallel with the coast. So, you know, one possibility, I'm just, you know, thinking out loud, because I actually, this is the first I've really heard the case. You did the time, you researched the timeline, so I yep. I didn't research this ahead of time. So I could see maybe a scenario where he decided he wanted to go hike to the coast uh, looking at the pictures from the park, obviously there's a lot of tall, sheer cliff walls where you're you're just you're falling right into a jagged surf. If okay. you, if you go off, if you go to the cliff, like you want to get a really good picture or something, and you fell over, I mean you're falling hundreds of feet into jagged yeah, you're surf. Dead. You're not going to survive the fall, and there's a good chance maybe your your remains would you know wash out to sea. One possibility maybe is he. He went to the coast to get a picture or to, you know, hike near the yeah, shoreline. He, def- he definitely was like a smell the roses type of guy. Yeah. Like he and he s- took a week doing a hike that you could do in one day. Yep. That I'd probably be like, all right, two or three days because I don't want to spend an entire week doing 20 miles. So, I, I mean, I could clearly see that being a possibility, maybe. I don't know. Um, as far as the park is concerned, it does look like there's numerous rivers running through the park. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I know in places I've hiked before, especially Hawaii, depending on the weather conditions, some of the rivers become impassable if it had rained recently. Oh, okay. I know in Hawaii, when we were hiking the Kalau Trail, there had been a lady that passed away just a couple, like a month before us because she tried to cross the river after a big rainstorm and it just, just flushed her out. out into the ocean. I know from a fact that you got to be careful when you're crossing any body of water, any body of water, especially when you have a backpack on like yep. that. That's like the big key is because and if you're by yourself, well, if you're by yourself, but it's different when you're when you have a hiking backpack. And yep. I'm, I'm assuming most people that listen to this show hike. Yeah. But when you have a hiking backpack, it's connected to you. Yeah. It's like a big, so, a big anchor. It's a big anchor and a big like paddle. Yeah. So if you're going through a stream, like you might be fine with nothing on. You might yeah. be able to swim across, no big deal. But as soon as you strap that on, it starts getting waterlogged. You're attached to it. If you're panicking, yeah. you can easily get caught up, brought to a strainer point, and then drown before you could even get out of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, that's why anytime we do, if I have climbing rope, you know, one person will go across without a bag on, yep. connected to the rope, and then we go across holding on, something like that is... And even in small streams that it just are moving fast. Well, even in Hawaii, we actually had we had rope with us because we knew we'd had to cross these streams. And we had rope with us in case something happened where you can try and, you know, maybe toss a rope to somebody to yeah. hold on to if something happens. But so I don't know, you know, that could be a possibility. I like I said, I'm ruling out animal attack or exposure just because of the the, the nice climate of the park. And, it, you know, another thing I. I Based on the comments of Keeley, it doesn't sound like Arvin was a guy who was having troubles in his social life. No. Or <laughs> no. He didn't seem like a troubled guy. 
He, you know, everyone in town liked him. He seemed like a really nice guy, willing to help everyone out. Kind of guy that you'd love to just go have a beer with and watch football. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I want to be good friends with him. Yeah, right? <laughs> and even the stories leading up to his disappearance, you know, he met these people in the cabin, and then you said they went hiking together. Yeah, he, he randomly meets somebody and spend, yeah. proceeds to spend the next two days with them. He's not the kind of guy who strikes me as someone going out in the woods to, you know, commit suicide. No. He's, he seems like he's just out there to have fun, enjoy nature, take everything in. in if my, anything, it's surprising he went alone. Like, you think he'd have yeah. a bunch of buddies that'd want to do it, too. That shocks me a little. Not shocks me, but, I mean, that's a little bit of puzzling. But Unless yeah. he's so social with everybody, it's, like, a yeah. nice time for him to, like, just be to himself. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess if we lived somewhere with a really beautiful national park, I would probably go on day hikes by myself all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're in Wisconsin. We got yeah. the Ice Age Trail sections, and yeah, it's we, the same we don't for the entire a, state. We don't have a lot of great hiking around here. but yeah. You um, can hike. But it's yeah. nothing like that. If you want to see cornfields and just it, oak the, forests. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kettle moraines. Yeah. Like, which is just a nice way of saying rolling hills that are covered in the same trees for hundreds of miles. That's not to say Wisconsin is a terrible place. There's a lot but, of beautiful lakes. and. But once you do it a couple times, it's yeah. you're, you're craving for something special. Um, so. so, yeah, you know, I'm ruling out uh, suicide, animal attack, exposure. Now, this is going to sound crazy. I like crazy. Do it. <laughs> How much do we know about Jack English and his son? Well, Jack's like 95 years old. Okay. What, what do we know about guy. his son? Not, I don't know much. I looked, at, I, I looked a little bit into just how he had a cabin in the middle of the state park. Yeah. I'm only bringing this up, and I'm not trying to slander anybody's name. Yeah. Or I have no evidence to prove what I'm saying. <laughs> but And I'm only saying this because I've ruled out a lot of the more logical explanations is there a possibility, any shred in the back of your head, do you think that Jack or his son had anything to do with this guy's disappearance? I want to say no immediately, and here's why. I'm going to assume that, A, they were investigated. So let's assume that they even do a bad job. They were picked up by a helicopter, and he saw them off. Yeah. So now you have a third-party helicopter pilot. So the helicopter was- picked up Arvin. Or no, picked up Jack and picked his son. Picked up Jack and his son, and Arvin saw them off. So you have a third party but that showed up that would have been there. Do we have the third party from the helicopter confirm that? I, I don't know who that is. I don't have it. So that's what I'm saying is if that happened and their official story to police is, oh, yeah, we saw him last, yeah. which A, you wouldn't tell if you did something. Yeah. It would be, oh, we never seen him. So yeah. if, they, if they had something to do I with don't know. it, I would, I would just be like, no. But there are stupid criminals. I don't know. Most I mean, criminals are stupid. That's why yeah, they're criminals. I guess I'm just saying that I, I, do, I do not know these two people. I don't know anything about them. But I'm just saying that, you know, father and son living way off in the middle of nowhere in the middle of a, a, camp, a, a state park. This guy runs into them and then just vanishes. To me, that does seem a little strange when you, you factor in that he was an experienced hiker the climate's very temperate. There's really no way mm-hmm. you're going to succumb to exposure. Uh, the terrain is pretty easy, and there's not a lot of wildlife that could kill you there. Yeah. It, it's kind of like <laughs> all of the other possibilities, you can't factor them in here. So I, I'm just throwing that out there. I, it would be nice to get a corroborating story from the helicopter pilots. Like, yeah, I saw Arvin when I picked up yeah. Jack and his son. 
but I'm assuming we haven't found anything like that. Monterey County Weekly is what really we found the most information on because that's the local paper. Yeah. They had a separate story entirely about Jack English and how like his him living in the wild because he like makes violin bows and stuff. Yeah. And he's he seems like kind of a a, another and it's a small community. So he's like another prominent figure. It's like the guy that lives out there. I want to assume that modern time police departments, even understaffed or bad ones, yep. you have main suspect initially is the last people that saw him. One, the last people saw him alive, yeah. so you think they brought him in. I want to assume they did a good job. And if they were picked up by a helicopter, yeah, I think they'd question the pilot course, as well. My theory, yeah, I mean, my whole theory on, you know, him I don't want to shoot you down. Would be, I'm just, no, my whole theory would be shot in, in the foot if, if we were able to find statement by the helicopter pilot yeah who like that saw would, him like waving as they flew away but i'm i'm just trying to list out any possibility so that that leads into something else because it sounded like he was going to hang out there yeah which to me that statement made it sound like he's going to stay at that cabin for a couple more days before he leaves so maybe did someone come across the cabin someone come up and yeah it's a heavily traveled area did someone try and burgle the cabin burgle burgle <laughs> I think that's a word. It might it's a be. funny word. Burgle. But they tried they're going to they're a burglar. Yeah. And they're gonna hit the cabin because they maybe knew they the knew he was leaving. The, the father and son. And they were ran into They didn't realize Arvin, Arvin was, was at the campsite. But then he's a two hundred pound, six foot three and dude. What, granted he's in his sixty fifties, but I mean what is gonna be out in that cabin that's worth hiking days into the woods to steal? Well, okay. <laughs> Hold on. He makes these violin bows, right? Yeah. I'm looking at this right now because I read this and didn't think it was relevant until now. So he's saying his son and him are interested in violins. Yeah. They can't play it, but they like it. So they started making these inlays and things. That's interesting. So <laughs> hold on. But in the article, they're asking how much they cost. He said, I'm afraid to tell you I've sold them mostly for $2,000 a piece. Wow. So if he's making these in his cabin, it's okay. We're out of something here. Okay. If he's making these, and there's a freaking article in the local paper that says, hey, I make these, I live in this remote cabin, yeah, and people know the goings abouts of people in the area, yep, and they know he's going to be gone, are they going to go out there and try and steal these things? Because uh, if he's got 10 of them, but that's we 20 never, grand. We 20. never heard any news, you know, follow-up articles that said he was robbed. Maybe well, it was like what attempted if, robbing. Well, attempted robbery, ran into him. I mean, if you're going to go rob someplace, you end up killing a guy. Yeah. Are you going to rob it too? Or are you going to try and dispose of the body? Maybe I mean, not you, draw attention to the fact that you're already that, that into it. I mean, but, okay. So <laughs> I'm thinking from the the the. I'm someone who'd never do maybe that. Maybe it was an accidental. Like they they were just going to tie him up and rob the place, and they accidentally killed him. And See, like even they that freaked though, okay, out so and left. I'm going to try and I'm going to try and go into that guy's shoes. Yeah. But I, I don't almost have to dumb myself down. But I'm thinking in my head if I'm going to go rob this place, it's yep. it's remote. It's going to be real quick and easy. Break a window, steal ten of these things. That's twenty grand. Yeah. You run into this guy, there's a fight, you end up, you know, now I'm getting Hollywood, you hit him over the head with something just to debilitate him, but it ends up killing him. Yeah. I'm not going to rob the house anymore. It's true, Especially yeah. if I didn't get in there yet. You're going to try to I'm get gonna rid of I'm going to get rid of the, the body evidence. and not make it look like anything happened there. Yeah. Because they're going to go back to their cabin, and if the window's busted and they're robbed, yep. they're going to call the police. They're and gonna, Arvin's missing now. That could, yeah. maybe the FBI gets involved then, because now you're talking about yeah, potential I, murder case. Yeah, exactly. So, like, yeah. or they think Arvin did it. So now it's not a missing persons. It's a 
it's a burglary and yeah. a missing persons. You know, one other thing I was thinking of too is we've covered a couple cases in national parks where the, they have more resources, I think, for search and rescue. Mm-hmm. It sounded like when you were describing the search and rescue timeline, and this is not to say the people involved were you know did anything wrong in any way, shape, or form. But it sounded like the amount of people involved was smaller than we're used to hearing in other cases. I think you said there were like Did 30 people on 30 the ground. 30 people a day. 30 people a day. But if you think about the the response to that area, yeah. for the size of that trail and how I mean, densely packed it is within the... Think I mean, it's, of, like, it's like going... It's a state park. It's not a national park. So it's kind of yeah. in the city at some points. I mean, in the episode, the episode we did on um, episode two, I believe, on Miller... They had 400 people combing through Joshua yeah. Tree for days looking for him. I wonder if it's the availability of volunteers. That's it what sounds I'm like thinking. a lot of it is so, since it's so volunteer. My line it's a of, smaller community. My line of thought with this was going towards maybe, you said it's 1,000 acres? Yeah. They call it Little Yosemite. So it's still a, a pretty big park. Pretty big park, but if it's that densely packed... I can't imagine anyone injured wandering off the trail. He'd have to be injured off trail. Yeah. But to go off trail is not fun in dense pack. No, why would you do that? Exactly. Like Unless you're looking at something on a what, map, then you're trying to yeah, cut corners and, and, and maybe... And so he did everything right prior to his trip. He had his itinerary. He said, here are the days and times I'm expected to beat this places. Yep. You don't do that unless you're going to stick to it. Like, unlike the yeah. last episode where we said this guy's kind of more of the hippie, like, yeah. wasn't prepared, kind of like shoot from the hip type. This guy's overly prepared. Yeah. Gave himself ample time. That's not somebody who's going to deviate from the plan. And anyone who's, a, you know, an experienced hiker, I know, I know if you and I were hiking somewhere new, or even if we hiked there before, we would never bushwhack to cut corners no. you stick to the trail no and and in this area if you look at the topographical maps to get to the places he wanted to it's all trailed yeah there's no there's nothing to see to bushwhack now i guess is what i'm getting at so, like it's different if oh there's a <clears> peak <throat> and I, maybe i want to try and climb this mountain yeah there's there's only the things he wanted to see to see and there's trails to them so kind of finishing my thought on the search and rescue so the only reason why i brought up the size of the operation was just because maybe there's a chance that because it was a smaller operation in manpower. I mean, they still had multiple helicopters, it sounded like, that yeah. they were using. Maybe yeah, one airplane, three helicopters. Maybe they just uh, weren't able to cover all the ground that, I know, who knows, maybe he wandered off. I have no idea. Yeah. But maybe because of the size of the search and rescue operation, that that in some way affected the, the probability of finding him. I don't know. One other thing I'm going to bring up. <laughs> Dude, throw it in there. You're the one that usually jogs my mind into thinking crazy other things, so like, keep it coming. I may be reading into Keeley's comments too much, but something kind of jumped out at me. I, I'm probably reading way too much you know, into it. Just go. Just go. Um, Pitter-patter. I'm, I'm trying to find her <laughs> comment, um, but she says... She says somewhere in her comments that I don't know what he what he did in his past. Or no, right here. I know next to nothing about his past, but I feel so close to him. Okay, so you're saying like she's known him for ten years, but doesn't know anything about him prior to coming to Big Sur. I've known you for over ten years now. Oh shit! I know, long time. It's been a long time. <laughs> and I honestly know everything about your past before I knew you, and you probably the same with me, and the same with any of my other friends I've known for a long time. Yeah, like the things that matter, like yeah. where you went to high school, what your like, what your, your parents, I met your parents names, like all this. Yeah. Where are you from? 
you know, all that kind of stuff. I can't spend 10 years with somebody not talking about it. It comes up. Yeah. So this jumps out to me a little interesting that this um, person knew Arvin for 10 years, but still knew nothing about his past. Did Arvin just blow in the town one day and now he's living in Big Sur? Or just showed up in his yellow VW yeah. van and I and I'm just bringing this up because we're trying to come up with every yeah. potential possibility. Maybe something in Arvin's past happened that caused him to he just picked up and moved to Big Sur. Maybe he picked Big Sur because it's kind of out of the way. It's a little more remote. He You know what it's starting to sound like? Witsec. Witsec. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe he's witness protection. But so you know, maybe uh Arvin this final time you went out hiking, he decided, you know, I, it's time for me to move on. I'm a Rolling Stone. I'm moving on to the next town. I mean, he was a, you said he was a server. Yep. So he was like a, the local hotel. He was a server at the local hotel. So it's not like he, he had a job where he was, you know, he wasn't like a manager of. Yeah, you don't want to minimalize it, but it's not like if he disappears, a company's going to fold. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I have friends that uh, manage restaurants, and one of their biggest problems is, you know, the help, the servers. Oh, the, especially nowadays, people yeah, just ghost they just, their job. They just leave. They'll yeah, just not show even, up one day and yeah. ghost and give you no warning. I mean, maybe Arvin, maybe something happened in Arvin's life where he's just like, I'm going out on this hike, and then I'm I'm Like the on. mafia boss he ratted out found him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, uh, you know, that... That kind of jumped out at me. It's strange to me that if you know somebody for a decade, you don't know anything about their past. Yep. That's, I don't know. No, that I, I didn't think about that. I I don't think you're reading too much into that, to be so, honest with you. I, I really don't. I think that is incredibly relevant because... I don't know. Even if I was investigating this as a law enforcement officer, I would maybe ask her about, all right, you know, do you know anything or else Or dive about into his past Arvin. somehow. Like, where did he come from? Like, I mean, did what's he, what's did he doing any, now? Did any of the articles mention family? No, that's no. a little interesting. Outside of as well. they don't know who called him, report who reported him missing. They said a friend or family. Now, just because there's no and that's yeah, it's not reported doesn't mean anything. But yeah, it's interesting that we've got this one lady who's known him for ten years, knows nothing about his past, and then nowhere in any of our research mentioned anything about family members trying to find him or posting things on Facebook to find him or anything like that. Yeah. So it, to me, this is kind of starting to build a picture of maybe a type of not a loner, but a guy who something happened to him in his past and he just up. So and he's moved. like um, an outgoing individual outgoing, but individual. he doesn't develop real relationships. No, he keeps so it fun. He, so he like, keeps it like dancing and buying you a beer and, but you, you never know about his past. Yeah, I hate to like to sound like I'm speaking ill, but almost like a sociopath a little bit. A little bit. If yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess you know, kind but of like, like a, a really like so. Okay, um, not to say this is what it is, but like you look at like Ted Bundy, and yeah. that's just because the tapes came out like good-looking dude, nor he's completely normal, charismatic, normal guy. Yeah, just messed up, gross, yep. disgusting human being, like. He could be your best friend for a long time, and you would never know. Well, even I mean, even though this show wasn't real, I mean, even to parallels to you know Dexter, yeah, a, a person who's capable of committing heinous crimes 
in, in the shadow of darkness, but during the day holds down a steady job and has friends and girlfriends and yeah, people think he, you know his kids. And, and it's more like a like a pageantry thing. Like I have to, or they're gonna yep. think I'm weird. But so I, I mean, that's an interesting point. You pageantry. The guy who uh, everyone listening to this case is still so recent. The the young yeah, I girl guess sociopath wouldn't be true because it's antisocial. The young girl that went uh, that got kidnapped up in northern Wisconsin and then she was held captive for th- like three months. Yeah, that guy was um, a remote cabin. He w- he had her tied up under his bed or something, and he would have people over for parties. Yeah, like and family and friends would come. No over one for had Christmas any idea. Parties. Yeah, so I mean, everyone knows there's people capable of live, you know living double lives. Or I'm just saying. No, I that, think th- I think that's extremely relevant because we yeah. don't know anything about his past. Yeah. And he's an overly charismatic guy. That's not a fault because nope. I wish more people were like that. But And I'm not saying he's like a serial killer or something. Yeah, but it it, it lends into the thing of that's why I immediately honestly that's why I immediately thought of Witsack. Yeah. I'm thinking something happened in his past that he doesn't talk about and no one knows about. He just showed up in Big Sur one day. He's been living there for ten years. Yep. Great Some, citizen. Do, great doing citizen. Everything everyone right. loves him, you know, great person all around. And then one day something happened. He went out hiking, you know, met these people and then just disappeared. Uh, did he disappear on his own? He, did he, he's like, I got to move on. Why would he do that? Who knows? It's just another theory. Yeah. Um, I think, I think for me right now, it, so we don't ramble on for three hours on this. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, and you can go through your top theories yeah. for me i think my top theories are one he decided to go to the coastline to get maybe some pictures or hike along there and something happened where he fell he fell off one of the cliffs into the surf uh you know that would almost certainly kill yeah, you. yeah that would do it and then the ocean you know just washed him away it, his body washed away so you don't think he would come <clears throat> back up because I always feel like stuff I mean, what always he, comes back. Yeah, but what if he went out with the tide and then there's currents? I mean, specific yeah. ocean. I mean, hey, it's just a theory. I don't know. Um, well, why don't you know more? <laughs> <laughs> um, my second theory, uh, which is way out there, you know, it's probably, you know, just a notch ahead of aliens or Bigfoot was that Jack and his son, I don't know, maybe had some involvement in his disappearance. Okay. And I want to say again, I have no evidence of this. I do not know either of them. I'm just throwing this out there as a possibility. And Joe said they did mention that his, him and his son were picked up by a helicopter. So more than likely, there probably is a corroborating statement from the helicopter pilot. Well, and think about that, too. So they got to have money. Yeah. I mean, it's not expensive to get a ride from a helicopter, no, but, but like you don't just do that. No, if unless you can like just burn when we a few flew hundred off, dollars. When we flew off the uh, Mount Assiniboine in Canada, it was like I don't know, one hundred and sixty dollars one way per person. So that was yeah, with like, our gear. Yeah, and that's like you do it one time because yeah. you're like, this will be cool helicopter. Like they're like, hey, we're gonna go spend some time in the cabin. Let's take the helicopter out right. here. Like so, maybe um, I mean maybe the violin business is actually really good. I mean, yeah. So, and then my final theory, I think, is the one we were just talking about where he, you know, something happened in his past. He just rolled in the Big Sur one day. He lived there for a decade. Something again happened that he needed to move on. And maybe he's like, I'm going out for one hike, one more hike. Yeah. And maybe this is a good way to, you know, go missing. Like people think I'm, you know, just disappeared. He just moved on. He's somewhere else. He's still alive to this day. And I only say that because of the 
the interesting comments that Keeley made that she didn't know anything about his past, even though she knew him for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And no mention of really family at all in any of the research. Now, I'll preface both of those comments in saying that, you know, we haven't spoken to anybody, Keely, or any family. There could be family involved in the search and rescue. If yeah. if that's the case, obviously this theory is a lot is, less is likely. Yeah. yeah. I really would like to know the history of Arvin. I, I, you know, did he serve in the military? Yeah. Where, you know, where is he from? Where does his family live? I think that would help piece together more of, you know, a profile about him. So. Yeah, to see why he's the type of guy that rolls into a town. Yeah. And just integrates. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those are my, my top three theories of what happened to him. I don't know, Joe, if, what do you think? I, well, <laughs> I just blathered on for like no, 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 no. I, that's important because you always like stir something up because I always try and just find like the answer right away when yeah. the, we really can't ever find these. But I'm no. always like, what's the actual answer of what happened? I'm starting to think more about a. We don't know about his past, so I don't look at that as Keeley's issue. That, that's not her fault. Yeah, that's more of people. But her choose, statement is a window into reality. Yeah, people choose what to tell other people. Yeah, about so themselves. so that's that's. But the fact that she doesn't is is a red flag. Is a great guy, but okay, we don't like one of. I would say if you know somebody well for ten years, that is enough that are making a statement. That's 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 a if, red flag because they should know something. If any one of my good friends went missing and I had to provide a statement about them, I could, I would know everything about from, you know, a little bit where they went to grade school up until, you know, when I met them, just because all that kind of stuff throughout the normal friendship between two people kind of comes up. You talk about your parents, you talk about your hometown, you talk about this and that. So it maybe we're reading too much into how good of friends she was with him. That's, that's also could be the case. Um, Like she's like an attention seeker. But okay, now here here's I was immediately thinking that like maybe this is an issue of it's just like the lady that they put on the news that wants yeah. to just talk, but she's an executive assistant at the place that reports the stories. Yeah. So So I think she's a pretty credible source. I think she's gotta be credible. Yep. I, I mean it doesn't sound like she's bolstering her relationship with him because she's got a lot of anecdotal stories about what was going on. Yeah, I I can't think of a reason why she would... She would lie about any of that stuff. Lie about any of that stuff. So Um, let's assume that that's all true then. So she doesn't know much about him, which... uh, Not a huge red flag, but weird. And I didn't think about it until you brought it up. That's how small it is, I think. But Mm -hmm. since you said it, now I can't stop thinking about it. (laughs) But then he runs into those guys in that house. Um, From reading the story and seeing um, Jack... He seems like a perfectly normal dude yep. who's kind of found a niche doing some woodwork, handy stuff. Yeah. Don't know anything about his son. So is that. I can't say it's good, bad, or indifferent. Yep. But yeah, they get a the, the, he hangs out with him for several days, and they get a helicopter out, and that's the last they see him. Yeah. So I think there's two things there. Like, A, my mind wants the Hollywood movie of he's in witness protection. Yeah. And that's why they don't know anything about him. He's, he's trying like, to integrate. He's like some snitch in the mob. mob yeah, like something, the big something really cool. Yeah. And somebody found him and was like tracking him and waiting for the right time and saw him go in this, the wooded area and then they or took he's him like out. A, he's like a, a Jack Reacher type. Yeah. Like special forces, ex-special forces. He's been yeah. disavowed by his government and now he's on the run hiding from them. Yeah, like something like cool like that. I really <laughs> want to have, I want that he's to be. He's a big dude, six foot three, 200 pounds. I mean- 
in looking at his picture, I could see him being like ex special forces or yeah, he's got like, that look, and he's just old now. Like he's, yeah, he's not old but, old, but like he's retired. He's, he's like what's like uh, but actor you never that was, forget that stuff. Those uh, movies taken. What's his name? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. He's like a Liam Neeson type. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. There's um, then there is the whole. I really don't, and I think I jump. I don't say I jump to conclusions, but I'll accept a lot of theories. Yeah, typically, I'm not accepting that it's Jack and his son at all. Okay, outside, I, I'm, my gut is telling me, completely normal, fun, cool encounter. They parted ways. Yeah, I think that was I mean, real. I would, I would still almost lean more towards someone went to go rob Jack's cabin, yeah. and he was planning to stay there for a couple. So you've got more a days. variation on the cabin theory. Yeah, the cabin theory to me is everything was all on par for them and their son. They really liked him, and then yeah. he's and such a nice guy that he's saying I'm going to let him use my cabin for two days while yep. I'm gone. I'm almost wondering if if something happened in that two days. Yeah, that's a possibility. I mean, more and more I think about it, like Jack and his son are well known in the community. Yeah. They're successful in making these violin uh, covers. I mean, we we have to assume that everyone's bad and sometimes good people are just actually just good people. Yeah. So So, I I want to assume that Alvin's a good person. Jack and his son are also good people. I merely introduced the theory just because. We're just trying to air everything I'm thinking of. I think it's important (laughs) to air, air, air it all out, but... I'm just saying what my gut is saying. I think everything's on par, and there's a third party that got involved. Somewhere. Third party got involved. Maybe I think so. Going up to the house. I don't to rob think him. injury is an issue just because. Yeah, I don't think so. You either. don't bushwhack in that area. No. Based on what I've seen, unless there's some hidden gem I don't know about that he might be like, all right, you got to go through this hidden spot. You can yeah. get this area. But then if that's the case, it seems like a well known place that they might search. Yeah. If locals are involved in the search. So I don't think injury. I definitely don't think animals. He's too big for yeah. the types of animals that are there. Yeah, I, I say witness protection discovered, <laughs> or wrong place, wrong time in a supposed to be abandoned cabin that might contain yeah. very valuable violin parts. Yeah, and because it was reported that he's making these things that are selling for two, three grand a piece. Yep, and that and everyone knows he and li- can- he's the guy that lives in the remote cabin in the in the mountainous area yeah and, and they knew he was probably back in town and you notice that he took his helicopter away from his cabin so yeah. what if what if the violin bow business is getting so good this guy's carting around in a helicopter now or his son maybe he's the old guy but his son's spending money like crazy yeah you know and now he's made himself a target no i mean that's um that's an interesting theory and you just wonder yeah, i'm gonna back away from witsec just because that's more hollywood you wonder and not to drag this on we probably gotta wrap the show up here pretty soon yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, no, I think uh, I'm slowly coming around to adding maybe your theory about the cabin and getting rid of mine. All right, you're gonna jump on my train. This I'm week? gonna jump on your train. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to slander good people in a community. I'm sure he, you know, Jack sounds like the kind of guy that uh, a small, close knit community. You know, if you talk bad about him, the whole community will come after you. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> So I I retract my theory on Jack and his son. No, I think it's worth. It was worth. It's worth exploring. It's worth fishing out, making sure everything's on um, the up and up. Boy, you sure. know, when we started this show, I wasn't expecting it to go off in this tangent. That's show. why I always say I don't <laughs> like talking to you entirely beforehand so we can have these things um, just happen. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up the show because this one's going uh, yeah, I think, pretty I think, long. I, I think I'm going to end it. I'm going to say my theory that I'm going with saying this is my opinion. Foul play by 
another unknown party, Third party at the cabin. Yep. In an unrelated attempt to do something else. So he was wrong place, wrong time. Kind of like Paul Fugate. One of our theories. Yeah, our theory on him. Wrong place, wrong, wrong time. Place, drug wrong deal. Time. Wrong yep. place, wrong time. Burgle. Burgle. Of <laughs> burgle, expensive burgle violin attempt. parts. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, you know, we're going to r- wrap this show up. I uh, This really changed. When I started this, I wasn't sure what to think about Arvin because we tried something new in this episode where uh, I, I took some more of the, the park location detail and Joe focused on the timeline. So then we can kind of. Come at little, it with fresh eyes. Come at it with fresh eyes. So I definitely uh, took you guys down a kind of tangent. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's good. That's that's what this is all about. Yeah. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, as usual, if you like the episode, follow us on Facebook and leave a comment. We interact with everybody. Uh, in the last show, we mentioned a couple of things coming up. Um, we're going to be having a brand ambassador competition coming up in the next couple of weeks. Hashtag locations unknown. Hashtag locations unknown, where you'll, you know one person will have the chance to win a ton of cool locations unknown swag, like hats and shirts. And yeah, we want your pictures, videos, images of you in the wild, and not being lost. Yeah, but, not but being hashtag lost. Hashtag locations unknown. We'll definitely post all the details to the contest. But in, yeah, in theory, we we want to pick someone who who does a lot of cool hiking and. Take a little bit of our swag along with and some pictures, and uh, you'll you'll get a lot of uh, a lot of cool stuff from us. So uh, look for more detail on that. Check um, out our swag store. Check out our swag store. Should be if it's not already live on Facebook, it should be soon, and uh, we should have be posting in the next couple of days our Patreon information. So that's for anyone who wants to donate to the show. So yeah, like us on all the social medias. Um, if you listen to us on Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to, make sure to review. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you very much. And we will talk to you soon. 